My name is Kevin Brown and I'm the host of the Tom Petty Project podcast. If you've just stumbled across the show and don't know what the heck it's all about, let me explain. Over the coming weeks, months and years, I'm going to be reviewing every Tom Petty song in album and track order from the debut self-titled album all the way through to Mudcrutch 2. Once I've gone through the major studio releases, I'll then be digging into deep cuts, some live stuff and whatever else feels right. I'll also be joined by special guests a couple of times a season and have them share their love for Tom and his music. I hope everyone is still safe, healthy and enjoying life in whatever way you can do that. Could be a cold beer, could be a big old joint, but musically I know which band most of you are going to be listening to. Look, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm recording this episode a little bit worse for wear, so if I'm a bit slurry, please forgive me, because I think that Tom would forgive me my hubris. Today's episode covers track nine from the debut album, the ever-popular Luna. Go to the episode notes where you'll find a link to the song on the official Tom Petty YouTube channel. Listen to it, come back, and see whether you agree with my appraisal of the track, and I'll catch you once you're back in approximately four-ish minutes. Hey, you're back from listening to the track. Great. So, here's the deal. Recording is an expensive process, especially if you're pulling in high-caliber session musicians as Denny Cordell had been doing when it was imagined that this would be a, a solo Tom Petty venture. Once it became apparent that the Heartbreakers, as a band, were the way ahead, Cordell decided to stop using those expensive studios. As his relationship with Leon Russell was becoming increasingly strained, he set up a studio in Los Angeles, which would be stocked with the equipment from the defunct church studio in Tulsa. At the suggestion of Noah Stark, who would go on to co-produce the Heartbreakers' second album, Tom and Stan Lynch tagged along when they went to pick up the gear as Shark had suggested that they could a track before they ripped out that equipment. And well, this was a good deal, as no one would be around and they could record for free. And Tom and Stan just improvised basically the entire track on the spot, with Tom adding lyrics off the cuff, and the pair came back with the basic tracks complete. Drums, organ, and vocals, along with ARP, which provided those bending string sounds, courtesy of Stan. At once church studios had been emptied, it fell into disuse for many years, but is undergoing a renovation that is due to be completed this year, 2021. In 2017, the building was listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a team of dedicated fans and musicians maintain its ties to the Tulsa sound and the surrounding area. Luna is the longest song on the album, clocking in just two seconds shy of four minutes. It's also another track from the first album, along with Fooled Again and Mystery Man, that is a big hit with hardcore fans and is often cited as a favourite deep cut from the Sphere Crap. And is all and is often cited as a favourite deep cut from this first record. Despite this underground popularity, it was dropped from the set list in nineteen eighty, as were most of the deeper cuts from this first album. The last instance I can see of it being played live was on july eleventh, nineteen eighty, in Richmond, Virginia. So this is the point in the episode where I would usually talk about the drums and the bass and the guitar and the keyboard and the vocals and the lyrics and whatever. But I'm not going to do that this week. 
I think that the charm of Luna and the sort of the enduring uh, popularity of it resides in the feel. And feel in a song is really important. So what does that mean with this song? So I, I think that you get a, a you know a, a very deep, rich, and bass-heavy drum sound, and then that sort of lone Hammond organ that Tom played over top of it, which sort of leads to a, a foreboding, um, very, very sort of deep atmospheric sound, and we get this sort of weird um, spiritual, sexual sort of angle to the song that cuts through everything else that's going on. What I love about this song is that it's not scripted. It's not sort of one of those songs that you sit and agonize over for days or weeks. It's in the moment. So Tom and Stan, they go down to Tulsa. Really, they're on a sort of mission from Glod. They just, they're just they there to get equipment and move it back up to L.A., but they still manage to sit down in the moment and craft this song with Tom saying that, you know, he wrote the lyrics on, on a dime. He just sat there and wrote them out. Which, you know, that's not the usual way you would write a song, and certainly not the way Tom Petty would usually write a song. But Stan keeping time in the drums, Tom just playing that down that really sort of low-down, dirty Hammond organ lick, and then Stan putting in those ARP uh, synth sweeps. We come back out of that and we say, okay, let's, let's take those tracks, take them back to the guys up back in L.A., and let's lay down a track. And can you imagine bringing those things in and saying, this is the new song that we just wrote, with very little explanation to other than, let's just record this. That's just very cool. I think the cool thing about the, the whole story is that Tom and Stan, at the point that they went down to Tulsa, they weren't particularly close, but they went down anyway, uh, and actually with Stan's girlfriend, which is a bit weird, uh, you know, and they said that's the way that Stan had always done things in his old band, and Tom didn't really question it. And they just sort of said, well, you know, Stan and his girlfriend are staying in the room and Tom's there. And you can imagine that sometimes Tom maybe just had to leave when things started to happen. Again, the, I think the cool thing about this track is how sleazy and vulnerable and raw and totally unscripted it, it feels. And it makes you... The whole sense of the album is that it's it's one of those sort of that that young punk thing, you know? There's no sort of cohesive objective to this album. We're just going to write a bunch of songs and we're going to just do whatever feels right in whatever studio we're in. And Luna is the epitome of this. We get some free studio time before people are packing up boxes and taking shit out the back door and we're just going to see what happens. And that interplay between Tom and Stan, who weren't even, you know, necessarily firm collaborators produces a song like Luna, which is one of the, you know, it's just one, it's a fan favourite and has been for, well, what are we doing now, four, four decades? Okay, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Last week, I asked you what Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album achieved the highest position on the UK album charts? The answer is Into the Great Wide Open, which spent a total of 18 weeks in the top 40 of the UK music charts, peaking at number three on July 20th, 1991. Number two on that chart was The Jam's Greatest Hits, while Cher sat atop the chart with Love Hurts. 
Other records in the top 10 included R.E.M.'s Monster Album, Out of Time, and Seal's eponymous debut. Your question this week is about covers. On the 16 solo and Heartbreakers records, there are a total of three cover versions. What are they? Okay, back to the song. You know, this is a song that I really had to sit with as it didn't really hit me right out the gate the first time I heard it. I've grown to really love it, though, and I especially love the starkness and simplicity of the arrangement. It's another one of those songs that sounded super cool live and saw Tom dial back the, the ferocity, but not the intensity, of his vocal delivery. It's also a really oblique, cool lyric that has, again, we, we talked about that, sexual, spiritual, and sort of almost mythical angle that one could approach it from. I'm going to give this... Oh, man. Again, these ratings just... I struggle with these. I'm going to give it a solid 7 and 9 sixteenths out of 10. I haven't done fractions yet, but I'm going to do it with this one. I think that given the hurried nature of how it's put together and my suspicion that a little tighter production and maybe more time spent developing the uh, the major key change could have elevated it up higher. Again, I'm also looking at this one in the context of Tom's entire catalogue, and definitely it doesn't reach the heights that some of his very best work or even the very best deep cuts does. But again, a seven and then some fractions, because there's something in this one that really resonates with me in the recents. Ah, I don't know. It's one of those things. I get it now. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Tom Petty Project, or if you're on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And please leave a review or a rating if you haven't so far. If you're enjoying the podcast, give it a share on social media and help me spread the word. Tell your friends about it. Come on, why wouldn't you? Until we meet again, keep listening to Tom Petty. Share his music, especially with your friends who don't know about him. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about track 10 on the debut album, American Girl. I mean, good Lord. Why wouldn't you not want to tune in for that? It's going to be a great show.